Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Ignorance, my brothers and sisters, is not bliss. Ignorance is not glamorous. Ignorance binds, ignorance enslaves. Ignorance leads to suffering and pain. And what you don't know will hurt you. Sometimes what you don't know will hurt you very, very badly. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah chapter 5, if you start reading from verse number 13, the Bible says, Therefore my people have gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge. They don't know. They have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished. The multitude are dried up with thirst. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged and opened his mouth beyond measure. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he who is jubilant shall descend into it. When you don't know, you walk into the trap of the enemy very easily. What you don't know will bind and enslave you. What you don't know will hold you captive. What you don't know will limit how far you go in life and the blessings of God that you are going to enjoy. Let me give you an example. Genesis chapter 15. Reading from verse number 13, the Bible told Abraham concerning his descendants. The Bible said, and then he said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nations whom they serve, I will judge. Afterwards, they shall come out with great possession. That was the prophecy of the word of God. That was the word of God to Abraham. I want you to put your fingers there and move forward. The Lord was basically telling Abraham there, your descendants are going to be strangers in the land. They are going to suffer and then this is going to last for 400 years. Now flip straight to Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, if you start reading from verse number 40, the Bible says, Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on the very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. From here we see, that is sojourning the servitude, the captivity, and the affliction of, of the descendants of Israel, who was supposed to be 400 years, according to what the Lord told Abraham in Genesis 15. But for some reason, these people overstayed their visa in Egypt. They spent additional 30 years. And the question is why? God said 400 years. They spent 430. Why? Why were they not released at the appointed time? Why was the additional 30 years of suffering added to the descendant of Abraham? Why? Now, scholars can debate how long Israel spent there. They can argue it. They can compare scripture. That's not my business. What I am interested in is that what was the reason for that 30 years extra? And let me suggest to you there were two basic reasons why Israel spent extra 30 years in Egypt. Israel spent that additional 30 years in Egypt because they remained silent in their suffering. 
They kept quiet even in their captivity. That's the first reason. The second reason is that Israel spent additional 30 years because in their captivity, they either did not know about the prophecy of God or they were ignorant. They were either ignorant or they forgot. Either they forgot what the Lord told Abraham or they did not even know what God told Abraham in the first place. God said 400 years and they spent 430. So it was either number one, they were silent in their captivity or they were ignorant of the prophet that spoke about their spending 400 years in captivity. Now, some of you might be wondering, how do you find out? Go back to Exodus chapter 1. In Exodus chapter 1, reading from verse number 7, the Bible says that, But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. In other words, they were having fun. They enjoyed their time there. They were growing. But if you skip to chapter 2, chapter 2 of the book of Exodus, in verse number 23, the Bible says, Now it happened in the process of time that a king of Egypt died. When the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. Please understand. This verse of the scripture is suggesting to us that when Israel got comfortable in Egypt, when Israel accepted the conditions in Egypt, they suffered in silence. They enjoyed it and they did not do anything. And as long as Israel remained silent in their captivity, Bible makes us to understand that the enemy continued to do what he was doing. As long as Israel remained silent, the enemy continued to maintain and increase its hold upon the life of the people. As long as Israel remained silent, Bible makes us to understand that the prophetic declaration that the Lord spoke unto Abraham remained elusive in their life. That's why the Bible tells us something. Psalm 32, reading from verse number 3, the Bible tells us, When I kept silenced, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. As long as you remain silent in your condition, as long as you remain ignorant about the activity of the enemy in your life, the enemy will continue to do what he's doing. He will not bother with you. If you believe, yeah, I don't, I'm not troubling the devil, the devil will not trouble me. They will say, fine, I like that arrangement. You keep living the way you're living, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. The psalmist said, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. Have you ever seen a man who's suffering? If you're the same age with that man, you see how old the man is. It's not because he wants to be old. Suffering is not easy. And when you keep silent in your suffering, the enemy does what? He continues to have a field day. As long as we remain ignorant and silent about the activity of the enemy in our lives, his activity will go undisturbed and he will continue to have his way. But the Bible tells us in verse number 23 of Exodus chapter 2, it says, when the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, when they cried out and their cry came up to God, you know that what they got tired. You know that what they said, no, this is not the way a man should live. This is not the way my children should be. This is not the way my business should go. This is not the way our church should be. When they got tired, the Bible makes us to understand that when they cried out to the Lord because of their bondage, the Bible tells us that the Lord heard them. So God heard their groaning and remembered this covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. God did not just hear them. The Bible said the Lord Almighty remembered this covenant and the result was their captivity came to an end. But as long as they kept their mouth quiet, 
as long as they refused to pray, as long as they were comfortable in that particular affliction, nothing happened. Is it because God was not interested in them? Is it because God did not want to hear their prayer? But what you are not willing to pursue, you are not qualified to possess. What you are not willing to fight for, you are not qualified to have it. And that's why the Bible tells us, Isaiah chapter 62, if you start reading from verse number 6, he says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. He said, Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent, and give him no rest, till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise on earth. In other words, as long as you remain ignorant of the activity of the enemy, as long as you remain silent, the enemy will continue to molest. He will continue to mess up the good things that the Lord has proposed for you. As long as you accept your condition, and the enemy will be entrenched in his position, and he will continue to oppress and take away the blessings of heaven. That is why you talk. That is why you pray. The Bible tells us, you say, I set watchmen over thy walls, O Jerusalem. We shall never hold their peace day or night. He said, you who mention the name of the Lord, keep not silent. Why? Because we have an adversary who is determined to mess you up. If you allow him, he's going to mess you up. If you allow him, he's going to set a barrier and say, this is how far you are going. You are going no further. Look at what happened to the army of Israel. Bible said the Goliath was coming every morning. He intimidated them into submission. They were not willing to move forward. And for 40 days, they remained in that place, not moving forward. Every morning, they come, they go. They come, they go. They come, they go. Until one person said, no, this is nonsense. We've got to do something about this. My brothers and sisters, when we remain ignorant of the situation, when we remain silent, the enemy will continue to have his way. The question is, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because the Bible tells us in Matthew 11, 12, it says uh, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and only the violent can take it by force. They are the only one who can see results. The man who is not satisfied with the condition that they find themselves. The man who said, no, I'm no longer going to accept this condition. The man that says, no, enough is enough. Those are the only ones who are able to move through. In this first installment, we're going to be talking about the torture of ignorance. That when you are ignorant, the enemy will torture you. When you are ignorant, the enemy will mess you up when you don't know what's happening. You turn around and you just wonder, what is happening? Why are things not falling in line with me? It is because the enemy left alone will continue to grow wings and continue to have his way. And that is what the Bible tells in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, if you read from verse number 11, the Bible says, Because the sentence against evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set to do evil. When there is no sentencing of evil, when you let evil people run around, when you let the enemy grow wings and become landlord in your house, he said, then they will be able to do whatever they want to do. The same thing happens in the church. When we do not confront evil, when we do not confront the oppressions of hell, the enemy continues to make the promise of God as if it's non-effect. Because evil is not challenged and confronted. Because the people of God ignore the oppressions of hell in their life. The enemy and his agents continue to be emboldened and they capture new ground. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He said the primary purpose of the enemy in John 10.10 10 is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
That is what the enemy is going to do. And as long as we allow the enemy to roam free, if we don't take a stand and fight back, the enemy will continue to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The question then is how do you take action against the enemy if you don't even know the operation of the enemy in the first place? How do you take action? How do you begin to fight if you don't even know that the enemy is fighting you? In 1 Peter chapter 5, reading from verse number 8, the Bible tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about, seeking whom he will devour. That is his job. He's looking for somebody to consume. He says, whom you resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same affliction are accomplished in their brethren that are in the world. In other words, the enemy is already punishing the people in the world. But if you are not sober, if you are not vigilant, if you don't resist him, he's going to repeat exactly the same thing that he's doing outside. He's going to repeat it also in the life of the children of God. So Peter is saying, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, like a roaring lion, is seeking whom he will devour. Here the Bible is telling you, the only way you push back against the enemy, the only way you invite the vengeance of the Almighty God, number one is for you to be thoughtful, for you to be vigilant, be sober, you don't live carelessly. You don't live anyhow. You begin to pay attention to what is going on in your life. If there is a pattern in your life, you know that this is the work of the devil. You know that this is the operation of hell. When things are not going the way you want it to go, you are doing what you are supposed to do. I'm not talking about being a lazy person. You put your life on cruise control and think God will take control. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking a person who is fully engaged. A person who is hardworking. A person that is doing what he's supposed to do. If you are engaged in the work and you are not seeing the result, you need to be able to know what's going on. The Bible says you should be sober. For you to stop the onslaught of hell, to stop the advancement of hell, you need to be thoughtful. You need to be sober. Number two, you need to be vigilant. You need to be watchful. Look at your life and compare. Is it where it is supposed to be? Am I going in the direction that God is asking me to go? Is the promise of God fulfilled in my life? Are the things that he said he's going to do, are they manifesting in my life? Is God being God or am I the one who is messing things up? You need, number one, to be thoughtful. That is to be sober. You need to be vigilant. That means you be watchful. You need to resist steadfast. And say, Lord, enough is enough. I cannot continue like this. My life must not continue to travel in this trajectory. This direction is not what you planned for me. This is not your intention for my wife. This is not your intention for my children. This is not your intention for my business. This is definitely not your intention for the church of God. You resist him. And you begin to go on your knees. And begin to talk to the almighty God. And say, Lord, do something concerning my life. I cannot remain like this. He say, whom you resist steadfastly in the face. Knowing that the enemy is ready to mess up anybody who is not interested. But most importantly, you stop the host of hell from stealing your lunch. It requires you to be able to have a good knowledge of how to deal with him. If you don't know how to fight, you are going to fail. If you don't know how to fight, you are not going to be able to move forward. So stopping the host of hell requires your thoughtfulness, your sobriety. It requires your vigilance and watchfulness. It requires your steadfast resistance. But most importantly, it requires you to have knowledge of how to deal with the enemy. But because many in the body of Christ are ignorant, many of us are not vigilant. Many of us are not watchful. Many of us refuse to resist the enemy because we do all that. The enemy is just robbing us blind. 
And that's why we are talking about this issue this morning. So when we talk about securing our victory through divine vengeance, what are we talking about? My brothers and sisters, we are talking about winning a decisive victory through divine intervention. When you actually call on the name of the Almighty God and say, Lord, step into my situation. When we talk about securing our victory through divine vengeance, we are talking about inviting the vengeance of the Almighty God over our case upon the people, the powers that say that we are not going to move forward. That's what we are talking about. Now we talk about securing victory through divine vengeance. We are talking about handing our battles over to the Almighty God. And say, Lord, I can't do this alone. I need your power. I need your wisdom. I need your enablement. I need your strength. I need the host of heaven to come into my situation. And the question is, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to hand your battles over to the Almighty God? Why do you want to call the vengeance of the Almighty God upon your situation? We do so because the Lord commanded us to do it. He said, cast your burden upon the Lord. And it shall sustain thee. He commanded us to do it. Number two, we do it because the enemy that we are fighting is a very strong enemy. Psalm 18 verse 7 says, Deliver me from the strong enemy, from them which hate me, for they are too strong for me. The powers that you are dealing with is not a, is not a quick, quick power. It's a power that is determined to mess you up. They are strong. They've had years, centuries, eons of experience. This is the power that was bold enough to confront the Almighty God. He said, I want to be like God. I want to exalt my throne above the heavens. So why you request the vengeance of the Almighty God is number one, because the Lord Almighty commanded you. Number two, because the enemy is strong. Number three, because the Lord promised to fight for us. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. That's why you commit it into his hands. Because he said he's going to fight for you. But most importantly, we commit our battles to the hand of the Almighty God because the Almighty God does a better job in the first place. He knows the best way to deal with an individual. He knows the best way to kill. He knows the best way to be able to make the enemy to pay for all that they have done. The Lord does a better job than you fighting. And that's why he said we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers in heavenly places. And that's why you need to hand it over to him. Romans chapter 12 verse 19 tells us, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. Don't try to do this fight on your own. Avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto all for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I know how to defend my people. I know how to fight for my people. I know how to get what belongs to my people. I know how to get it back. Look at the people of Egypt. The Bible says that they made the Israelites to labor. Hard labor, and they paid them no dime. But when the Lord was about to deal with the Egyptians and avenge his people, the Bible says that the children of Israel went into the house of the Egyptians and they asked for gold. And the Lord poured favor upon the children of Israel. He said they spoiled the Egyptians. In other words, 400 years of labor that you did not pay for, they paid for it. That is what the Lord does when he fights for you. That is what the Lord does because he knows where to go. He knows how to hit at the right spots. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, if you are fighting a strong and formidable enemy, and the Lord commands you to cast your body upon him, because he said he has promised that he was going to fight for you, and we know that the Lord Almighty does a good job, in the name of the Almighty God, why will you not commit your battle to him? If I have somebody who is strong behind me, who has the ability and the power to fight? Who has a history of fighting for his people and winning? Why in God's name will I not give that battle to him? 
My brothers and sisters, many of us do not give our battle to the Almighty God because, number one, we simply don't know how to do it. You ever see people pray in church? Oh Lord, bless me. Oh Lord, bless me. Oh Lord, kill the enemy. Oh Lord, kill the enemy. Deal with my children. Do all these things. By the time you do all that, you turn around again. And now you say, I'm never going to talk to you again. You are a useless person. God will punish you. You have just said that the Lord should deal with the person. And then going back to fight that person in your own flesh again. It doesn't work that way. You cannot eat your cake and have it. It's either you are giving it to the Almighty God or you are doing it by yourself. Many of us are not handing our battles over to the Lord because number one, we do not know how. And we don't know how because we don't believe him. We don't know him. We don't know his word. We don't know the strategy. We don't know the equipment. All the resources that God has made available for us. That is one of the reasons why we are not giving the battle. I've often joked here when I tell people, I say, why worry when you can pray? That's the one of the songs that we learned when I was a young Christian. But if you flip it and say, why are you praying when you know how to worry? You sit back at home and say, ah, how am I going to do this? Hey, God help me, oh, God help you. I know you are going to help me. Well, I have to go and do this thing and make sure I can get money. All of a sudden, you have two heads. You are kind of schizophrenic. You have this dual personality. One of them is saying you should trust God. The other one is saying you should trust yourself. And when you are doing that, when you are going back and forth, read the book of James. He said, anyone who is hurting back and forth, he said, think not that you will receive anything from the Almighty God. Because a double-minded man is what? Unstable in his ways. So you find that many of us are not holding on to the Almighty God. We are not handing our battle to the Lord because we don't know how. Number two. Many of us don't want to hand out that battle to the Almighty God because we don't want to. That will surprise you. But most people see their battles as their crutch. If I release this battle, then how will people pity me? If I release their battle, what excuse will I give for my failure? How can I excuse all my misbehavior? What am I going to hide behind if I release it unto the Lord? So most people don't release their battle because they don't know how. Number two, they don't release their battle because they don't want to. But most important, people don't release the battle because of the deception of the enemy. I remember talking to a friend of mine. He was having some challenges and I gave him some prayer points to pray. And told him to go and listen to a particular minister. He said, I don't like listening to that minister. I said, why? He said, because of the way they shout in their service. He said, all of them are praying together. I said, I think it's disrespectful to God. I said, is that so? <laughs> he said, yes. I said, okay. <laughs> hey Lord, will help us. It is disrespectful to God. He said, We are supposed to pray one after the other. I said, Is that so? He said, Yeah. I said, Okay. Wait your turn then. God will hear you. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is that many of us cannot hand our battles to the Lord because we have already been deceived. There are so many things that the enemy has said that a lot of us have bought into those ideas. And because we are bought into those ideas, we have refused to release those things. We believe that, yes, that's the way life is supposed to be. People are supposed to be like that. Children are supposed to be the way they are supposed to be. Job is supposed to be upside down. Sickness is supposed to be like that. There are some who claim it for themselves. They are anxiety. They are depression. They are whatever. God help them. But the point we are making is that many are not handing over because number one, they don't know how. Number two, they don't want to. Number three, they are deceived. Now, if for some reason we take the time to hand it over to God, we release our battles to the Almighty God, what you will find is that if you refuse to release those battles to the Almighty God, the enemy will continue to take advantage. The promises of God that you are seeing every day will, do, will become elusive. You read the Bible and you appear as if it's a lie. All the things that pastor is saying is a lie. Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. My father died, my mother died, my grandfather died, my grandmother died. He never come. Whether he come, he no come, I no care. That's what you feel. When you don't know how to release it to the Almighty God, you think the word of God is a lie. The situation remains unchanged when you refuse to give it over to the Almighty God. And you will suffer unnecessary. But when you hand it over to the Lord, when you release it into the hands of the Almighty God, the Lord steps in. 
Look at the story of Jehoshaphat. The Bible says that when Jehoshaphat started praising the Almighty God, he said the Almighty God came into that battle and those three kings started fighting themselves. Jehoshaphat could never have been able to do that. So when you release it to the hands of the Lord, the Lord steps in. When you release it to the hands of the Lord, the enemy becomes defeated. When you release it into the hands of the Almighty God, then you can begin to possess your possession. The question then is how do you hand over your battle to the Lord? How do you do it? Very simple. You hand it over in prayer. Bible says be careful for nothing. That means don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication. By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. It's not by complaining. It's not by crying. It's not by anything other thing. It is by prayer and by supplication. You hand over your battles to the Lord by prayer. And we have made platform and avenues available for that to happen. That is why we do it every morning. That's why we do it every Wednesday. That's why we do it every Friday. So that you have an avenue. Because the Bible says two are better than one. If it's only you, you may not be able to pray. But when you are in the midst of people, you are supposed to be able to pray. So we hand our battles over to the Lord when we pray. We hand our battles over to the Almighty God through thanksgiving. Jehoshaphat went into battle. The Bible tells us that he started praising the Almighty God. In the process of praising God, God stepped into the situation. When you keep complaining, the Lord Almighty will not do anything. The Bible says that they lost the promise in the wilderness because they kept on complaining. They were complaining about the garlic and the melon that they were eating in Egypt and they kept hounding Moses. So, you hand over your battle through prayers, you hand over your battle through praise and thanksgiving, you hand over your battle to the Almighty God by resting on the word of God. The Bible says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Which means when the Lord says it, it is what it is. You can take it to the bank. And if the Lord has given you that word, you are supposed to trust in him. If you don't trust in that word, forget it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, says the word of God. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. When you rest upon the word of God, it makes things happen for you. And then finally, you walk in the light of the word of God that has been released unto you. You engage the word of God. The Bible says, whosoever looketh at the perfect law of liberty, in other words, who looks in the word of God, and continues therein. But it's not a forgetful hearer. But a doer of the work. A doer of the work. A doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in all his deeds. Blessings come when you engage the word of God. When you do what the word of God says. So handing over your battle to the almighty God. Means that you do your own part. So that God can do his own part. The question is that who can hand over their battles to the almighty God? Definitely not the ignorance. Because you don't even know the battles that you want to hand over. Definitely not the complacent. The man who just takes things for granted. Not the silent. The man who cannot open his mouth and talk to the Almighty God. Those kind of people can never hand over their battles to the Lord. They can't even hand over their battles to their friends. Because they are number one. They are ignorant. They are complacent. And they are silent. But the man. The man. The woman. The boy. The girl. That will hand over their battle. And say Lord come into my situation. And take over. Is the one that is informed. He knows this is what the enemy is doing. He knows that what I'm saying right now is not what it's supposed to be. He knows that I'm supposed to live a better life. And he says, Lord, you have to do something about it. You must be informed for you to hand over. You must be vigilant. You don't become complacent. You don't sit down and say what will be, will be. The person who will be able to hand their battles over to the Lord is a person that is informed, is a person that is vigilant, is a person that is aggressive against the enemy. I say, no. I grew up in Lagos. 
A Lagos man, before you say a word like this, is already aggressive, he wants to finish you. He may not be able to fight, but his mouth is very sharp. Because he knows that's the only way he can save himself. The only way you can fight and win the devil is when you don't take nonsense. Before the enemy lifts his finger, you are already calling fire of God upon that person. You are already asking for the angels of heaven to smite that person. That anyone who rises up against you, the Lord Almighty will smack him and smack him into wherever he wants to get to. Anybody want to touch your life, touch your family, touch your children, you say the angels of the Almighty God will burn them. That's why I like Elijah. If you are going to move forward, whatever you allow in your life will continue to multiply. Whatever foolishness the enemy is doing in our life, if we continue to leave it alone, the devil will continue to move forward. But if you are going to see a change, there has to be a level of anger, a level of aggressiveness. There has to be that thing that pisses you off. I said, no, this is not going to stay. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.